Good morning. My name is Rich Wells. For those that don't know me, I'm one of the deacons. Reading this morning is from Habakkuk, chapter 1, verses 12 through chapter 2, verse 4. And that's on page 785 in the Pew Bible, if you use the Pew Bible. And uh, I'll give you a couple minutes to turn there. Habakkuk 1, 12 through 2, 24, page 785 in the Pew Bible. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord, my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as a judgment, and you, O Rock, have established them for reproof. You who are of purer eyes than to see evil and cannot look at, at wrong, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet. So he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet. For by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end, it will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come, it will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him, but the righteous shall live by his faith. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you that we can be here this morning. Thank you for these beautiful songs that we've sung together and the and the prayers that we've prayed together. Thank you, Father, for giving us a day to set apart to you, but every day should be a Lord's day to us, that we live every moment of every day for your glory, which is why you created us. And I do pray for our service, the remainder of our service, for, for Stephen as he speaks. Thank you for him, Father. And pray that you would speak through him with power and clarity what you have put on his heart through your word to speak to us this morning. And then, Lord, keep our minds and hearts on you and what you are wanting to teach us and implant your word in our heart and accomplish what in our hearts and lives what you intend by your word that Stephen gives out this morning. In Jesus' name. Good morning. Uh, it's great to be with you this morning. I asked Toby if I could speak from down here because the old eyeballs are getting worse and worse. And rather than knock over the keyboard and fall off the stairs, I'd just stand down here. You know what I'm saying? So 
If you're good with that, we good? All right. There's no change of doctrine going on here or anything crazy like that. <laughs> uh, have you ever faced a situation in your life or maybe you're facing a situation right now in your life that just didn't make any sense. Uh, because the text that we're going to be studying this morning, that, that is the situation. Habakkuk is thoroughly um, bewildered by, by what God has just told him. We're going to read chapter 1 again here in a second just to, to kind of remind us of, of where we were last week. But as you think about your own life, have you ever been in a period of great trial or suffering or, or hardship that just that left you puzzled, that, that left you wondering, uh, asking this question, where are you, God? And uh, for the sake of just brutal honesty, those of you who are close to me know that um, the last couple of years have been a, a serious trial in my life. I'm just going to be straight up with you. Um, uh, and, and honestly, this, just studying this text has been a great blessing um, for me, but I have found myself many times over the last couple of years asking that question of God, where are you? Um, Maybe you're asking things like, Lord, why, why would you let something like this happen, whatever this is? Or what's going on right now just doesn't seem right. right? There, there are many times that we go through situations where we see circumstances that say to us, that is not fair. That is not right. And, and in our minds and in our hearts even, we can begin to accuse God of injustice. You know, maybe right now some of you are in a uh, crisis of faith. And so if we um, go to the text this morning, I just want to pray that God will, will help us to, to learn from Habakkuk. Lord, we come. We pray for Your Spirit to come to this place to minister to our hearts, to change us. Lord, we pray for the Spirit to change what we love, what we worship, that the affections of our heart would be aligned with the affections of of Christ. We ask that by the power of your word that we would walk out of here this morning um, increased in our faith and in our trust of your sovereign and loving hand over our lives and our circumstances. And we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Habakkuk, um, I know Toby covered some of that last week, but I just want to make sure that we, we're all on the same page. Habakkuk was a prophet 
who was a contemporary to prophets such as Jeremiah and Isaiah, men who were called by God to preach to Judah, the southern kingdom of Israel, uh, in their wickedness. Um, the, the, the northern kingdom, the ten tribes of Israel in the northern kingdom have already been defeated by the Assyrians in 722. And we're somewhere in 630, approximately uh, 100 years later, and the, the two um, tribes that are left, uh, Benjamin and Judah, are down in, in the southern kingdom of Judah, and, and they've given in to wickedness as well. It, it's hard for us to fathom the wickedness that was taking place in the nation of Judah at this time. These were the people of God. Uh, they were the descendants of the patriarchs. They were given the law of Moses. They were given the priests, the temple worship. They were given everything. God's revelation. Uh, a special covenant relationship with Yahweh that no other people on earth were given. And it's hard to imagine that these people could get to a place where priests could be bought with money. Where uh, husbands and wives and mothers and, and fathers took their children and burned them in the altar to Molech. Think about that. God's people, because they wanted to appease the God of Molech, took their own children and placed them in the fire. That is utter wickedness. The people of God, the people of Judah, the, the, the chosen race, the son of Jacob offered sacrifices and worship with gross immorality to the gods of the Baals. And in chapter 1, Habakkuk is complaining to God, right? The, the, the prophets had a tough job. You read through Jeremiah, Habakkuk's preaching to the same people that Jeremiah's preaching to. Jeremiah preaches to the people of Judah for 50 years. Repent, 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 repent of your wickedness. And for 50 years, Jeremiah is faithful to God and not one single person on planet earth listens to him. Habakkuk's preaching to these same guys. These same people. And in chapter 1, uh, where Toby preached last week, Habakkuk is crying out to the Lord. He says, Oh Lord, how long shall I cry for help and you will not hear? Or cry to you violence and you will not save? Why do you make me see this iniquity and why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. These are the people of God. Strife and contention arise. The law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surround the righteous. So justice goes forth perverted. God answers him in verse 5 of chapter 1. Look among the nations and see. And wonder and be astounded. The, the people of Judah are so wicked that this prophet is crying out to God saying, when are you going to do something about this? It has been so long 
And, and he is accusing God of idly standing by and doing nothing about it. That's his complaint. And God tells Habakkuk, look to the nation. Look at what I'm doing in the world. I am doing a work in your days that you would not believe if told. For behold, I am raising up the Chaldean, the Babylonians. This is what God is doing. I am raising them up, that bitter and hasty nation who march through the breadth of the earth to seize dwelling not their own. They are dreaded and fearsome. Their justice and dignity go forth from themselves. Their horses are swifter than lepters, more fierce than evening wolves. Their horsemen press proudly on. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle, swift to devour. They all come for violence, all their faces forward. They gather captives like sand. At kings they scoff, and at rulers they laugh. They laugh at every fortress, for they pile up earth and take it. Then they sweep by like the wind and go on. Guilty men whose own might is their God. Habakkuk has complained to God, said, why aren't you doing anything about the wickedness that's going on among your people right now? And God's answer is this. I am raising up an incredibly wicked, powerful nation that is going to come and purge sin out of Israel. That was his answer. I'm raising up the Babylonians. The Babylonians, ladies and gentlemen, were a ruthless people. They would conquer nations. And if women were pregnant, they would gut them. These are the type of people that the soldiers of the Chaldeans were. Scalping, beheading, crucifixion, impaling, burning in the fire, just to name a few. And the text tells us that their reputation is spreading throughout the earth, that they are feared and dreaded by all the nations. And God tells Habakkuk, I am raising this nation. And you have no idea about it, but the, the purpose for the power and might of this nation, the Chaldeans, the Babylonians, is that they are going to come and purge sin out of Israel. So, uh, Habakkuk has another complaint, which is where we come this morning. So we're going to start in verse 12, and here's what the Scriptures say. Are you not from everlasting, O Lord my God, my Holy One? We shall not die. O Lord, you have ordained them as judgment. And you, O rock, have established them for reproof. You, 
God, who are of purer eye than to see evil and cannot look at wrong. Why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he? You make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. Speaking of the Chaldeans, the king of the Chaldeans, Habakkuk says this, He brings all of them up with a hook. He drags them out with his net. He gathers them in his dragnet, so he rejoices and is glad. Therefore he sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. Is he then to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? That's quite a question, isn't it? God has just told this prophet that I am going to judge the people of God for their wickedness through this nation, the nation of Babylon. And Habakkuk cannot wrap his mind around it. That's the reality of the situation. God, how could you take a nation as wicked as the Babylonians that does the things that the people of Babylon do and use them to judge your people. How could you do such a thing? Look at the end of verse 13. God, why do you idly look at traitors and remain silent when the wicked swallows up the man more righteous than he. You know, it's uh, an interesting uh, thing that I think about quite a bit is when you're reading the Scriptures, right? These guys are are prophets that have written what God has revealed to them. And, And we can read, you know, three or four chapters of Scripture. And those three or four chapters of Scripture can cover decades, Right? This isn't just something that's happening overnight. This is long, stretched out decades and periods of time. And Habakkuk seeing what the Babylonians have done for the last 10 years and going, Lord, what's going on here? Why do you do nothing? The picture is like, God's just kind of sitting up there in heaven with his hands and, you know, leg crossed, just kind of checking things out while the world goes crazy. Have you, have you ever felt like that? I have. He says, Lord, you make, you make mankind like the fish of the sea, like crawling things that have no ruler. It's total chaos down here. And from Habakkuk's perspective in the moment, right, that's, that's the key. From Habakkuk's little human perspective, In that moment in time, God is aloof and doing nothing. 
And that's where it's at. This is quite a dilemma. I want you to imagine a situation where have, have any of you ever um, mourned kind of the condition of the church in the United States of America? Hmm? When you just look at the, the visible church in general, right, in the United States, not that there aren't faithful, Bible-believing, uh, gospel-centered churches in this country. There are, praise God, right? But there are also the visible church of the United States. There is a lot of wickedness and a lot of deception and a lot of lies that are taking place in, in the name of truth, right? In the name of God. And then apart from that, just the, the, the condition of our nation. You know, I've got... I've got some friends right now that are working extremely hard in the abolitionist movement. You know, we've got a building right over here on North Arlington where they murder on average 75 babies a week. And it's done in secret. There, there's no... There's no big sign out in front of the building that says abortion clinic, right? They don't do that. We live in a nation, guys, that has killed millions upon millions upon millions upon millions of innocent babies. For the sake of personal pleasure, for the sake of personal convenience, We live in a nation where justice is perverted many different times. There, there is much to, to mourn about the condition of, of the United States. There is much to mourn about uh, the condition of the church in the United States. And I want you to imagine that as a church, we're praying, Lord, God, please purify our people. Purify the church. Make the church more faithful to the Gospel of Jesus Christ. Purge sin out of this nation. And we get an answer from God. And the answer from God is, I am going to purge this nation. I am going to purify the church. And I'm going to use Kim Jong-un to do it. He is going to come. He's going to ransack your people. He's going to take over your home. He's going to take over your neighborhoods. He's going to cart away your family. He's going to take over your, your, your princes and palaces and governorships and the presidency of the United States. He's going to be in control of it all. And that's how I'm going to do it. That's how I'm going to do the work that you are asking me to do. A violent, crazy dictator who thoughtlessly killed millions of his own people. How would you feel about that? Because that is exactly what God had just told Habakkuk.
That's exactly what God has just told this prophet. And he's struggling with it. He describes the king. Look at verse 15. This king bring, just talking about people, all of them up with a hook, and he drags them out with his net, and he gathers them in his dragnet, and so he rejoices and is glad. And he makes sacrifices to his net and makes offerings to his dragnet, for by them he lives in luxury and his food is rich. God, is he to keep on emptying his net and mercilessly killing nations forever? This is going on for years and years and years. Lord, are you going to do anything about this? I know Judah's wicked, but we're not even close to as wicked as the Babylonians. Are you really going to judge Judah, a people more righteous than the Babylonians, using the Babylonians? And I love this. Habakkuk says, I will take my stand at my wash post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what you will say to me and how you will answer concerning my complaint. So Habakkuk has made this complaint to God. And he says, now I'm going to sit down and I'm going to wait for your answer. What say you? And look at what the Lord says to Habakkuk. The Lord answered me. Write the vision and make it plain on tablet so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits it's appointed time. It hastens to the end and it will not lie. If it seems slow, if it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. You know, Habakkuk has brought up a, a seriously legitimate complaint. And he's been watching years and years and years and years of gross immorality and violence. And God's answer to him is, I'm going to use someone that's more immoral and more violent than the people you're living with right now to purge out the, the immorality and violence in your people. Habakkuk asked the question, what are you doing? How do you do this? And, and this is what God tells him. Wait and see. Wait and see. Next week, Toby will talk more about what's going to happen to the Babylonians. But from the time that God tells uh, Habakkuk that he's going to judge the Babylonians for what they do, 
to the time that it actually happened is nearly a century. A hundred years. Think about how impatient we can be. Have you waited on anything a hundred years yet? (laughs) Nope. He says, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. And then he says to Habakkuk that, that the Babylonian king, his soul is puffed up and it is not upright within him. But here it is, the righteous shall live by faith. See, the Babylonians are puffed up with pride. They're self-reliant and convinced of their own self-determinism, but the righteous will live by faith. The Babylonians are convinced that they live by their own power and might, but the righteous will live by faith. They can only see what is right in front of them, and they're bloodthirsty with greed and lust and gluttony and self-indulgence, and can't see 20 seconds into the future, but the righteous will live by faith. They think they are a God unto themselves, but the righteous live by faith. They think they deserve everything they have, but the righteous live by faith. They think that everything in the universe exists to satisfy their every craving. The righteous will live by faith. They use the strength and power that God has provided to them and use it to serve themselves. But the righteous will live by faith. Ladies and gentlemen, how do we deal with the perplexing issues of life? The answer to Habakkuk's question was simply, wait and trust me. That was the answer. Wait and see what I'm going to do. That's it. Martin Lloyd-Jones has some helpful biblical advice on how to deal with perplexing issues in life. The first one is take time and stop to think. Four steps. Stop and think. What do you think about? You think about restating basic biblical principles, which is exactly what Habakkuk does in the text. He says of God, are you not from everlasting Right? He mentions the eternal aseity of God. That is his unchanging nature. The God of the universe is immutable. He is the only constant in the universe. Everything else in the universe changes. God does not. God, you are everlasting. He does not shift with the shadows. Uh, think about this. Uh, um, I talk to folks about the omnitemporality of God. Okay? We talk about omniscience. We talk about omnipotence, which is God is all-powerful. But think about the omnitemporality of God. And what that means is God is... He doesn't just transcend space. He doesn't just transcend knowledge. He transcends time. 
He sees the beginning from the end. The, the God who created time can step outside of time. That's transcendent. He's also imminent. He can step into time. But he's also transcendent where he can step out of time. He sees the beginning from the end. The end is the same thing as the beginning and the present. We can't even, <laughs> right? We can't even begin to comprehend a God such as that because we live right here, right now, right here, right now, right here, right now, every moment. Our Lord says, I am God. Wait for it. Eventually, you'll get it. And guys, that's no matter what happens. All the natural disasters, all of the diseases that people that we love endure, the, the unexpected deaths that take place in our lives, the, just name it, one after one after one. The job that's lost, the home that's lost, the, the kid that gets addicted to drugs. The, just one thing after another, and we, we can just raise our hands to God and say, I have no idea what's going on here. But one principle that we can go back to, no matter what, is that God is everlasting. He is eternal. He is immutable, unchanging, and constant. There's one thing. No matter what situation we're in, we can go back to that. Right? Second thing. Habakkuk says, my God, my Holy One. He's referring to the holiness of God. God is set apart. There is none like Him. The whole earth is full of His glory. In His holiness, God will do what is right. In fact, He is the standard of what is right. Is this a truth that is true? So our eternal, omnipotent God is holy and will do what is right. Habakkuk says, God, you have ordained them. You have ordained them. You have established them. He recognizes the reality that our everlasting holy God is sovereign over all nations, over all people, over all circumstances. There's a basic principle. So no matter where we're at in life, no matter what's happened, no matter who's done what, no matter where stuff goes, we can, we can hinge ourselves on those three facts, can't we? The holiness of God, the eternality of God, the sovereignty of God. He cries out to the Lord. He says, my God, my God, my Holy One. That's a demonstration of a covenant relationship that he has with God. He's saying, my God. That's, that's an exclamation of this God that's been faithful to me all of my life. Right? Our eternal, sovereign, powerful, omnipotent, omnitemporal God who doesn't change, is constant in all things, and is in relationship with us and has been faithful to us from the very beginning of our lives is saying, trust me. Trust me.
Will this bloodthirsty man trust in his dragnet and in his armies and in his money and in his weapons of war you while your communities are being ravished by this man? You understand the situation? While your communities are being ravished by this man, while your children are being carted off to slavery, while your wives are being murdered by these people, you trust me. The righteous will live by faith. And Habakkuk experienced this. He was there when the Babylonians invaded the nation of Judah. Trust me. So, I'm going to be honest with you guys. Uh, so in the last couple of years, and telling you about some of the struggles that I've had, I found myself just unable. Guys, hear me. Unable to trust God. I don't know how else to say it. I went through a period of like four and a half weeks where I barely slept a wink as I fretted and, and suffered in darkness and depression and exhaustion and, and, and just can't figure this out, can't figure that out, don't know what to do here, don't know what to do there. Lord, what's going on? You know, it, it was awful. You ever been there? Boyce says this, what happens so frequently is this, is we get on our knees and we tell God about everything that is worrying us. We tell Him that we cannot solve the difficulty ourselves, that we cannot understand, and we ask Him to deal with, to deal with it, to show us His way. Then the moment we get up from our knees, what do we do? <laughs> you know what I'm getting ready to say, right? We get up from our knees and we begin to worry about the problem again. You ever had that experience? Listen to what I'm going to say right here. If you've had this experience, if you've ever had this problem, which I have, what this reality demonstrates, hear me loud and clear, what this reality demonstrates is this. Our biggest problem is not the circumstance that we find in our lives. It is our lack of faith in God. Our problem is this big, right? Our problem is huge. The things going on in our lives are huge. And the realities of God and the realities of His glory and the realities of eternal things are this small. Think with me for a moment about situation that you're dealing with. I want you to think about the things that don't seem fair, the things that don't seem right, 
the things that make us wonder, God, where are you? And listen to this. We don't know everything, but we know this. At the end of days, when all things are said and done, none of God's people are going to be gathered around the throne of God saying, God, you were wrong. You made a mistake. You made some serious mistakes, and this is what you should have done. None of us will be saying that, will we? Every believer in history, this is so profound, every believer in history, no matter what they experienced in this life, no matter what they experienced in this life, no matter what they experienced in this life, no matter what injustices and atrocities they faced in this life, no matter what kind of physical suffering they endured, no matter what tragedies and heartaches we have experienced, and our brothers and sisters throughout the world have experienced it does not matter. This is what every man, woman, and child that belongs to Jesus Christ will be saying before the throne of God. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Blessing and glory and honor and wisdom and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Great and amazing are your deeds, O Lord God Almighty. Just and true are your ways, O King of nations. Who will not fear, O Lord, and glorify your name? You alone are holy. That is what we'll be saying. None of us will be going, you know, that one time, When so-and-so, that was a mistake. Do you believe that? The righteous will live by faith. What does it mean to live by faith? And just a couple of thoughts before we close. What does it mean to live by faith? Faith is a continuous present reality. What I mean by that is you hear folks talk about, you know, I believed on Christ when I was six years old. Well, technically, you started believing on Christ. You started believing on Christ when you were six years old. Because faith is an ever-constant present activity of the believer. Believing God. The righteous live by faith. The righteous man, the righteous woman, lives life believing God in all circumstances. Faith is multifaceted. Here's what I mean by that. It is not sufficient to say that I am living by faith if, if what I mean is I am believing God for the forgiveness of my sins. 
I am believing God that Jesus Christ came into the world to die for my sins and take my place on the cross and, and all of the glories related to that. But when it comes to my job and when it comes to my health, um, I'm going to take care of that myself. No, believing God is believing God. That's, guys, that's where I had to repent. I'm like, Lord, I'm trusting you for my salvation, but this whole I thing, I can't figure that out, so I'm going to freak out about it. Seriously? So, so hold on. I, I can almost imagine the Lord saying, okay, so you're going to trust me with the eternal existence of your soul, but you can't trust me with 30 or 40 years with bad eyeballs. That's basically what you're trying to say to me right now. Silly, isn't it? You see, believing God is life. Believing and trusting God in all circumstances. Health, relationships, our children, our spouse, our jobs, direction of life. The righteous person walks in humble dependence on God in every area of his life. Humble dependence upon the Lord in every area of life. For our salvation, right? Amen. But also for everything else. Um, if you think about this, I can guarantee you this, that whatever we think we have control over, think about this, whatever we think we have control over in our life, that is the area of our life that's causing us the most stress and anxiety right now. Come on now. That's true. Another thing I want to say about faith is that faith is rest in God. See, faith says to the soul, faith says to the soul, it is finished. Faith says to your soul, it's done. There is no laboring, no striving, no, nothing else that needs to be done to be right with God, to be reconciled to our Maker, to be at peace with the righteous Maker of all things. It's done, it's finished. Find rest, my soul, in Christ alone. Paul understood this. Even though outwardly he's getting beat to shreds, right? His body's getting destroyed. He's getting old. He's shipwrecked. Stonings and scourgings and imprisonments and starvation and all this crazy stuff. He's saying like outwardly, like physically, I'm going to pot. But inwardly, I'm being renewed day by day. Faith is rest for the soul, but faith has another facet to it. Faith is work for the body. It is. Imagine like reading the Hall of Fame of Faith in Hebrew and it's and it saying, and in faith, uh, Abraham believed God that if he would have gone to Haran, that God would have done what, what God said he would do. By faith, Noah in his mind thought, well, if I do build a boat that God could save me and my family from the coming flood, but not really going to do that. It sounds ridiculous, doesn't it? But isn't that what we do? By faith, 
By faith, I could believe that it's better to give than it is to receive, but eh, not really. By faith, I could believe that God blesses those who love and care for those who can't care for themselves. See, the righteous really do live by faith in, in every circumstance. Um, I'm running out of time here. Finally, here, here's what I want to say. Biblical faith is centered on Jesus Christ. Biblical faith is centered on Jesus Christ. Many, many people that I talk with on a regular basis say something like this. I believe in God. I believe in God. Do you? Are you listening to what I'm saying right now? Would you say that? I believe in God. Well, here's what Jesus says. Whoever believes in me, believe not in me, but the one who sent me. Believe in God. Jesus says, if you believe in God, you believe in me. And whoever sees me, sees him who sent me. I have come into the world as light, so that whoever believes in me may not remain in darkness. Jesus says this, this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. We can't know God. We can't believe God without knowing and believing Christ. Christ says of himself, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. So biblical faith now, in this place, and in this time, starts at the cross. To be believing God, you must be believing in Christ. Believing in Christ, that Christ, in Christ, all our sin have been washed away. This is why Paul quotes Habakkuk 2 4. In Romans chapter 1, he says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. Why? Because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the righteous will live by faith. The righteous really do live by faith in every circumstance. Let's pray. Lord, Would you make this church 
a group of people that by your power and by your spirit, not by our own might, not by our own striving, not by our own doing, but by your grace, that we would be a people who walk by faith in every circumstance. We pray for those in our church that are suffering with loss, suffering with disease, suffering with pain in their bodies, suffering with wayward children, suffering persecution at work or at home or at school. That your grace would be sufficient for them. That you would empower them to walk each moment and each day by faith. We are thankful, Lord, that in Christ alone we are counted as righteous because of a work that He has already done. And we do ask if there are people here with us this morning who have never experienced the forgiveness of their sin, who have never repented of their wickedness and turned to Christ in faith, that your spirit, that the wind of salvation would blow. As your people, God, we are thankful to you for your unfailing love toward us. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.